and welcome to Carnival Personnel's Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And uh, it's Christmas, Joe. Just uh, a few days away. And what says Christmas more than... Jesus? Close. Superman the movie. Ah. Christopher Reeve, Richard Donner, 1978. And just a few days ago... Uh, it was the 40th anniversary. It was released in theaters on December 15th, 1978. Uh, I was 10 and a half, and <laughs> you were three, two. two. Yeah. Do you remember going and seeing in the theater <laughs> in 1978, Joe? I take that back. I was one. Okay. Do you I remember didn't. going to the theater and seeing it when you were one, Joe? No. Um. I, I do very much remember uh, seeing it a great number of times, much to nobody's surprise. Um, and it's funny, you are saying to yourself, Jacques, you have all these stories of growing up really poor. How did you go to the movies all the time? The Woburn Cinema's security was not very robust. Let's just say Mexican border. <laughs> Yeah, they should have built the wall around. <laughs> but seriously, we we would just my brother and I would go. But anyways, 40th anniversary of the movie that completely changed the trajectory um and how superhero movies were viewed to mass audiences. Right. Like I think I said this to you earlier. What Star Wars did for sci-fi. <laughs> what Star Wars did for sci-fi genre. Superman did for the comic book genre in film. And you you think about, you know, Batman movie, you know, a decade earlier, you know, shot in 66, but it didn't release. You shot the movie first. Oh, yeah. And that was such a... Can't be. But you have big names in it. Mm -hmm. But it was a farcical thing. All through the 70s, you had things like Lou Ferrigno's The Hulk and Wonder Woman was a show, and Spider-Man, and all these things. But it was all TV, second tier, small potatoes. Um, This was was the biggest of the big. This this was, at the time, the most expensive movie uh, at $55 million. Now, what's inflated about that, uh, you know, I'm going to take a step back. We're not going to sit here and read off some facts from Wikipedia. <laughs> As I look up Wikipedia no, on no. my phone. We'll, we'll, we'll bring up some facts because I did some research. I want to talk about, you know, how this movie made you feel or, or and, and retrospective thoughts about it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll do some nuts and bolts stuff. But it was shot for $55 million, ex- most expensive movie, like I said. However... They shot part one and two simultaneous, so it's not like that $55 million went into one movie. That $55 million went into one and three quarters of a movie because they were about 75% done shooting part two and 75% done shooting part one. And then the producers in the studio said, hey, if this movie doesn't do well, there isn't going to be a part two, so let's kind of hedge our bets and just finish one let's get on schedule let's get one done and then we'll go back and do two and richard donner directed both or directed one and three quarters of the other one but then because he could never get along with the producers you know got fired off of part two um these shelved summer's ideas anyway but i just want to talk about part one yeah i um i had a very um cuckoo childhood um very sheltered not i I was never introduced to like the newest things when they came out so when star wars was huge when i was a child i had not gone to see star wars my parents were much older and weirder and they weren't with it they didn't they weren't part of the pop culture zeitgeist and they weren't even like quasi in touch with what was going on with pop culture. So Superman, albeit the most popular superhero, even of their generation, when the Superman movie was out, A, I was a little kid when it actually came out, so I kind of missed that when it first was introduced. But when it ran on TV, it wasn't one of those things where I was like magnetically drawn to it. It was on, and if it came on, I'd watch it. But it... I didn't really. I don't think I've really seen all of Superman until you know maybe my teens. You know, so I was really 
you know, unusual for me to be late to the party. <laughs> but I was late to the party with Superman the movie. So everyone who knows me knows Batman is my thing. And it's funny because I equate my love for Batman and Superman the same way I have arguments that Bobby Orr is the greatest player, not Wayne Gretzky. And I am quick to point out, while, yes, I believe Bobby Orr is the greatest and I have a number four tattooed on my left foot, I have a 99 tattooed on my right foot. Um, Yes, I have a Batman tattoo on my right shoulder. I have a Batman Superman tattoo on my left shoulder. So So is Superman the son of the Holy Ghost? I don't know which is... Well, more so, you got to look at it in the in the the Hindu religions. We're going to make parables. I'm in a corner. <laughs> right. Oh man, I was like, wow, he's going to drop some knowledge. Oh my god, no, um, no. But so the movie, like we said, it changed everything, and it did phenomenally well. So if you if you take out. You know, not half, but, you know, it probably cost like 35 to make it. Made $300 million in the theaters at the time. $300 million at the time then. It, it's got to be a billion dollars today. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's the Avengers, Infinity War. It's Titanic. It's it's in that, you know, whatever the 1978, you know, would equate to today. It, right. Well, it was, it, maybe it, not, it had not met the phenomenon... Benchmark that Star Wars had the year before, but in '78 was probably I think it was had to have been the biggest movie of the year. So, uh, and then you go down the list, and I don't want to. You can't. You can't go into the list of who was considered for Superman because the list is everybody, and I mean absolutely everybody from Muhammad Ali to Bruce Jenner. Um, No, I'm not being unwoke. He was Bruce Jenner at the time. You go down the list, Sylvester Stallone, the number of people who came to the studios wanting to be Superman, and the number of people who said, no fucking way. Um, same thing with directors. They wanted Lucas. They wanted Spielberg. They wanted all these other huge people, and for a litany of different reasons. Uh, some people couldn't do it because of other obligations, like, you know, um, you know, it, it, you go from Jaws to a close encounter, and it's like you couldn't fit Superman in there, you bastard. Spielberg, yeah, right. Um, they want these huge producers. Uh, what also is interesting is the writing of it. You know who's credited with writing it? No. Puzo. Oh, Mario Puzo. And yeah. much like... Much like any great Hollywood movie, uh, the story of how the writing worked and stuff like that. So Puzo wrote, wrote like the first draft of the script. It was like 500 pages. Um, and then they ended up bringing in another writing team to kind of change it and, and, and wanted to uh, make it completely, not completely different, but wanted to campy it up a little bit. Uh, and, and the writing team... Uh, the guy guy was named Newman and Benton. And then Benton, ready for this, ended up not being able to do rewrites because he was too busy directing Late Night with David Letterman. <laughs> and so... Uh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Yes. That's impossible. Oh, no, oh, Letterman, no, he started working with Letterman and stuff like that. Oh, for, for, for two, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, for part two? Right, right. Because he, he did rewrites on two, so he couldn't come back and do that. And then they ended up... When Donner came on, he didn't like a lot of the stuff, and he hired uh, probably a fifth writer at this point who is uncredited as a writer. The Writers Guild basically said, no, there's too many writing names on this already. Mm -hmm. So they had to make him a consultant, a a creative consultant, which the Writers Guild fought. But this new writer who came in, and I'm never going to say his name right, um, Tom... Tom, Uh, Oh, Tom Ankowitz. And he... Said, yeah, you can go back if you can get your hands on a Mario Puzo script. There's not one word from Mario Puzo that made it up onto the screen. Wow. So, yeah, so it, it, it's one of those things where the whole, it's amazing with all the money that it got made because of all the logistics that went into it. It took years to get the rights to it. Um, and then, you know, about two thirds of the way through, the filming was going good and they re- decided or they realized, wait, 
we're going to make a lot of money in the theaters, we think, but we don't own the TV rights, so we better go back and negotiate to get the TV rights, but let's not tell them how well we think it's going. Um, and, you know, and the biggest the biggest thing was Christopher Reeves was a nobody mm-hmm. who, when he came in for a screen test, was 188 pounds, and they said not big enough, you know, to, to be Superman, which is interesting because they also had talked to people like Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right. I know. We'll make him work somehow. Uh, they wanted Christopher Reeve to wear a muscle suit. And he said no. And he went on an insane training regiment at the time and went up to close to 220 pounds. Yeah. You know, to do it. It doesn't sound like much, but yeah, that's, that's devotion. Yeah, in a short period, like six month period of time and right. stuff like, and it never, I never saw if there was right Royce involved, but I don't know if steroids were around and that was an eighties thing, you know. I don't. They were probably popularized, but I'm sure there were performance enhancing drugs of some sort in the late seventies. So again, you know, I'm not going to go into the whole thing that they have production problems filming here, or there, they were all over the place for a lot of reasons, but I want to talk about the casting. About not who was going to be in it, but just who was in it. Mm-hmm. And they were the big, I mean, they were counting on this to be the biggest of the big movies. Uh, unlike Star Wars, everybody was nobody. When Star Wars started, there was nobody in that who had a name. <coughs> like Guinness. Well, okay, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, but I don't, yeah, no, he was big in the States. He, but he, uh, no, you're, you're right. And Carrie Fisher came from an acting family. Right. But she herself was... A she kid. Was, she was yeah. 18. She hadn't done much. She hadn't done anything you, that you would think a studio would say, this is going she to be wasn't our bankable. bankable right thing. They went with bankable here. Uh, it's funny. They locked up Marlon Brando three years before they actually shot this. Mm-hmm. An unthinkable three point something, 3.1, 3.2 million dollars. A lot of money. You said it wrong. I did? 3.2 million dollars you said it wrong oh you have to put your index finger out oh the pinky finger pinky finger out and bring Me- it to my mouth yes. million dollars See, now, now people <laughs> on the podcast know that you did the rolling eyes thing <laughs> with the pinky to to the lips okay yeah. uh a lot a lot of money a lot of money for 1975 11.25 percent of the gross on top of the 3.1 That's a lot of hamburgers Came out to 19 million dollars You ready for this? His contract called for his shooting to be done in 11 days For Superman 1 and 2 So, (laughs) you know, because he was shooting about the same time He had to shoot everything And as people know, there was a Donner cut for Superman 2 That never saw the light of day for nearly 35 years which was very Jurel heavy, um, but that's a lot of money. Uh, Marlon Brando planned on taking that money and spending it on doing a twelve, thirteen parts roots. Remember the oh yeah, the TV series for Native Americans, like the uh. the story of the Native Americans that he was going to fund. Huh. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but when he won an Academy Award, he yeah yeah. yeah. So what was the name like uh, something Little Flower or something? And what it, right exactly? To accept his award. And so anyway, so you had Marlon Brando. You also had recent Academy Award winner Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. who to this day he's my Lex Luthor. That's my Luthor. <laughs> um, you know, again, and and then and and not a small role, money means, but Ned Beatty. You know, you know, who had deliverance, deliverance fame. and a couple other things. It's like, uh, I forget how, what, how, how things end up for Ned Beatty and deliverance. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> That's for another podcast. Um, and, and you see this T-shirt and you will never see a more accurate T-shirt or bumper sticker. If you hear banjo music, run. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank you, Ned Beatty. Um, Margot Kidder. Mm-hmm. Um do you remember who played uh, Perry White? No. Ja- a guy named Jackie Cooper, who in our world wasn't a big deal, but he was up for an Academy Award for at nine years old. He was a child actor and a, like a huge hands in cement outside Man Chinese Theater 
level actor as a child. Um, he he did a movie, and, and I did not know this. This does come from Wikipedia, and then I backed up and looked at a couple other places. Uh, he did a movie when he was nine called Skippy, and they actually his uncle is on set because you know his 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 mom was in the business, and you know he came from. A behind-the-scenes family, not an acting family, but he did bit parts. And he, anyways, he gets his big lead. Um, they need emotion from him, so his uncle, who's on the set, takes his dog and tells him he's taking his dog outside and shooting the dog, which got the kid crying. Which he just needed a kid crying. It's like, you know. And uh, fun fact: he did not shoot the dog, <laughs> but the tears were real. Yes, <laughs> it's like, hey. He writes his memoirs like 60 years later, and he's like, yeah, I never forgave my uncle for that. (laughs) But, you know, those would be for all those child laws and animal laws on the set, all those pesky things that got in the way of you absolutely doing whatever you wanted to get a shot in a movie. Um, But, yeah, so he he was a big actor, you know. But you you go down the time, same thing. So I did not know this. Uh, The woman who played Miss Tessmacher. Miss Tessmacher! Which I, I told you on um, on Supergirl, like that's the name of the receptionist, and it's like when they yell for her, they say it like that, and I'm like, oh my god, I love that. Um, there's you know, there's also, and I'm jumping ahead, the scene where he gets the kryptonite put on him and pushed into the pool at Lex Luthor's thing, and I and I was pointing out to my oldest today, it's like I was I was telling him what. An homage is in the film world or music or something like that. I'm like, remember in Batman vs Superman, where Batman had the kryptonite spear and he was going to stab Superman with it and kill him, and then they realized, well, both our mother's name is Martha, so you know you can't be a bad guy. And he throws his spear, and they're fighting in an underground building in the sub basement or building where there just happens to be like a a, a reflective pool that he throws it in. I'm like. A subterranean, you know, um, um, set yep. with a pool because who doesn't have a pool and <laughs> in a subterranean area? And, and it's like, and when he threw his spear, anyways, I, I saw that was an homage to that scene from Superman. So, but Miss Tussmarker, Miss uh, Tussmarker, this woman's first movie that she was in, Valerie Perrine. Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. Wow! So yeah, it's like my favorite author, my favorite book. She her follow up to that is a movie that that did critically huge, and it's it's one of my favorite movies. Um, again, a, a Dustin Hoffman, a movie, a biopic called Lenny on the life of Lenny Bruce that is amazingly good. Mm. You know, Oscar, Oscar winning. Oscar, you know, all these different things. Uh, but she, you know, so she came, coming into it. Like, everybody was somebody in it. So, and and really, the only the only real roll of the dice, Christopher Reeve. Right, yeah. <laughs> the guy playing the lead. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I didn't want to get too much into, hey, you can read all this in Wikipedia yourself. I wanted to talk about how this movie makes me feel and, and, and my thoughts on it on its 40th anniversary. Uh, you can debate a lot of things. Who's Spider-Man? Like, who is the definitive Spider-Man? You know, we are on our fourth, third Spider-Man in the last 20 years. We're on our fifth Batman. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, and it's like, look, depending on Who's your Batman? It's like is you know it's Adam West. Some people it, it starts and ends with Adam West. Some people it's Michael Keaton. Um, they're all wrong because we all know it's Christian Bale. Same thing. Who is the Joker? Is it Cesar Romero? You know, Mark Hamill. Is, is it Keith? It, is, is, it Mark, is it Mark Hamill? Yes, it is. You know, uh, but you can have that debate. Superman is Christopher Reeves. I don't care who's played it and and how big the budget is, uh, who's came before it, who's come after it. In my in my world, Christopher Reeve will be Superman. Right. It was just sheer coincidence that Christopher Reeve had a similar last name to George Reeves, who right. played the TV Superman. I mean, two different two different last names, but similar sounding. Um, I just thought that was interesting. Go on. And, you know, um, but but it is, and so I watched it again today, and it holds up. You know. Um, 
it, it the, the, the story the story is what the story is, but it's their interpretation of it. And again, uh, like the homage from this Superman the movie versus Batman v Superman a couple years ago, the woman who played Lois Lane in the TV series had that small cameo where she's riding on the train with her daughter who looks out the window and sees Clark Kent racing along the tracks and he jumps across the train. He beats the train to the intersection because he is more powerful than a locomotive. Uh, right. You know, he's faster, uh, than, faster a speeding than a speeding bullet. bullet, more powerful. And the little girl <laughs> says, mommy, look at the man racing the train. And the woman who plays Lois Lane looks at the little girl and says, Lois Lane, you and your imagination. And it's one of those things where, yes, they got her in there. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the the geek me who who wouldn't have made that, like, I, I at 10 didn't know who that old lady was. She's just some old lady who has one line in the movie. Right. Um, but looking back on it, also, you know, a spoiler alert, you know, when Pa, when Jonathan Kent, like, you know, drops of his heart attack right after having the arm around his son moment of trying to tell young Clark who was just razzed by the football players and left to clean up their stuff after practice and um, runs home and and when their car like comes, you know, like, Clark, how did you get here? And he, oh, I just ran. Mm-hmm. And then dad's like, shown off again, son, and have to talk. And he's like, look, I know it's hard to keep all this inside and and Clark's like, you know, it's like, why do I have to take this shit? Uh, but but he doesn't say that. He says, you know, you know, I could score a touchdown every time I got the ball. Every time. Uh, and this is after he kicks it like a like off the screen, kicks it off the screen. Uh, and as far as like, son, I, I don't know why you're here, but I know it's not for scoring touchdowns. And it's just this amazing moment. One of my favorite moments, probably the most sweetest moments. Uh, in a superhero movie that, you know, with the father-son thing always kills me. And then he drops. And I'm like, I'm still, 40 years later, I was like tearing up watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, uh, I I liked the um, the feel of the movie. The, the, you know, up until this movie, I guess Superman was sort of lauded or portrayed in, in sort of, a, sort of a, a cheesy, campy... Uh, almost like a right wing Christiany kind of way. Like he was very, very Eisenhower era because of the TV show. You know, he stood for truth, justice, and the American way, which was kind of corny. And at this point, in like the late seventies, this was a cynical fucking country. Vietnam, uh, Nixon, th- Nixon. The you know, just like uh, the state of the world, it was just pollution and murder and um, uh, it just d- disarray. And you know, can I jump ahead for a sec? Please do. So, do you remember what happens at the start of the movie on Krypton? It starts with a trial of Zod and Zod's two henchmen Mm -hmm. when they get banished to the Phantom Zone. And here's Jarrell, played by Richard Pryor's friend, Marlon Brando. And it's a scene where the dome opens up this spinning mirror comes in and all of a sudden a blink of the eye they're trapped inside this mirror the three bad guys and jetted in it into space they live in eternity trapped in this mirror and then there instantly turns to marlon brando the next thing on the agenda we got to evacuate the planet because it's about to blow up you know um and the and the council you know surround him and says look you are our greatest scientist but you're wrong on this And if you cause a panic, you know, and start telling people to evacuate the planet, and keep in mind, there are centuries ahead of us on technology, but they're telling their greatest scientist who they just say, you are the greatest scientist. You yourself will be jettisoned to the Phantom Zone, which you yourself, being our greatest scientist, discovered. And he says, neither I nor my wife will leave the planet, knowing that the planet, and he says, it's got a month at the most, probably a lot less time than that. But he promises the council, look, I'm not going to raise a panic. My wife and I will stay. He doesn't say anything about his son. Joe, that was 40 years ago. Uh-huh. Where, where, Are you drawing a parallel to Where something? the people in power mm-hmm. looked to the greatest scientist and said, 
hogwash to your science. The planet is just fine. You are going to cause a panic if you go out there with this information. Um, any Anything going on in the science community that people in leadership or, let's say, one country in particular is uh, ignoring the science? Yeah, it's the climate change thing, stupid. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, wait, you were being facetious. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Thank oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, so we collectively agree that 98% of the most acclaimed atmospheric scientists in the world agree. But the two, a fun fact, those 2% <laughs> oh, here we go. also think smoking's good. <laughs> you know what? I want to be in the Phantom Zone right now. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, wow. Is there a highway to the Phantom Zone? It's a highway to hell. <laughs> oh, okay. But it was great. I'm watching that. And it's like, and, and I don't remember specifically them phrasing it that way. Till I saw it today, it's like, Jarrell, you are our greatest scientist, but we all think you're wrong. We're not science folks ourselves. Um. Uh, Cut to the planet collapsing all around them. Um, and Jarrell going down with the planet. And Jarrell going down. And it's funny, like the council has a secret meeting with the secret police saying, We are seeing a large reading of energy being used in Jarrell's home. Go investigate. Well, that's because they're getting ready to launch, launch. a ship. Um, so back to. You know the movie. You know another great thing. Like, well, well I, yeah. real quick, but I, you kind of sidetracked me from my point. Was that at this time, Superman had been sort of hokey, um, kind of fantastical. You know, almost blasé. And then in in just sort of like taken almost for granted, like oh yeah, Superman. You know, it, it was a thing. You know, a superhero comic book, whatever. But the movie made him somehow. Relevant, um, necessary, like something that the 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 country kind of needed—a superhero, somebody to kind of save the day, to take pride in the country again. This is pre-Reagan era, you know. Um, this sort of like this sort of um, almost like a almost like a patriotism, like yeah, like we have to. You 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 got you got the the. Um what is the gas lines? Like yeah. you know, you have those yeah, the, the the gas shortage crisis. You had a lot of strife, like globally and stuff, mm-hmm. and 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 you couldn't have more of the red, white, and blue. You yeah, know, coming in to save the day, right? And the, the 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 movie made you feel like Superman was you know some something of relevance now. Like it was modernized, but it wasn't. It it, it looking at it from. I guess from our perspective, 40 years later, back at the movie, you can kind of feel like, okay, there are some cheesy, hokey, wink-of-the-eye moments, you know, that they're making, you know, light of certain things about Superman, you know, like he's saving a school bus full of children from falling off a bridge. Um, the whole earthquake sequence at the end, or, you know, the the, the nuclear explosion ca- causing the earthquake. Um, that, um, you know, th- that's all, those are all basic Superman-type things. Um, but they're treated in such a way that it seems plausible and um, not cheesy. It it it, it, did, it didn't seem hokey at the time. Um, well, at, at the same time, much like what Star Wars had done just a couple years before, it was game changing with special effects. Right. It completely. And it's funny if you've seen the making of and the and the behind the scenes footage. The things they tried with, like the flying, truly firing crash test dummies out of cannons. <laughs> like, like, like w- w- I mean, it's funny because by the time Donner got to the set and took over as director, they had spent two million dollars. Like I said, you know, it was fifty-five million between part one and and three quarters part two. Two million dollars is like four percent of the budget. On failed test flights, like they <laughs> they tried the cannon thing, they tried like early versions of what are now drones and stuff like that, but there wasn't enough movement on it. It didn't look real. Mm-hmm. Um, Did they just try like throwing Christopher Reeve out of a plane? They dropped him from. Like, <laughs> but they, they ended up doing like three. Like how he took off and land was one way. How he flew was the other. How he turned and flight. So they had to, you know, from from because they didn't have CGI. 
Yes. There, there was, there was, you didn't have all of it. So it was amazing when you hear about these movies. And again, it's like what they had to do to make Avatar and why it's taken so long to do the second Avatar because they're completely changing cinematography. And the same thing with what Star Wars did and what the Lucas people did. And, and Donner, he's, he's in that echelon of, of people. The, you know, the last half of the last century who completely changed how films were made to not make it look hokey and cheesy and like he did on the TV. Like, you couldn't have him fly like you would on a 70s TV show. You couldn't have the hokiness. Right. You couldn't have uh, William Cat in a Greatest American Hero type effect. <laughs> right. So, oh, speaking of, you know, and Which it, came it's, it's a really good... Uh, <laughs> Believer, no, 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 stop <laughs> talking to me. No. But he, uh, but when you're talking about the campiness of Superman and how they had to change it, you're talking the latest uh, iteration of Superman in the public eye was 20 years prior. No, it was oh. dun dun dun. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, all oh, right, like the, 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 the the super friends. And, and, you know, with Wendy, Marvin, and Superdog, you know. Uh, <laughs> Wonder Twins which, actor. <laughs> right. Well, you have the Wonder Twins, Santa Jaina. No, I'm not uh, going down there. Right. But the, can't be, can't be, can't be yes. to this. And how do you have to take it that seriously? But then you also look at how they preserve the core elements of what made Superman appealing right. and great. His suit was, you know, red and blue with the cape and the yellow S, uh, the red S with the yellow shield. Um, it was vibrant. It wasn't dark and gritty. <laughs> Snyder. <laughs> um, excuse me. Um, it was. It, it popped. Superman popped off the screen when you saw him. It, he was larger than life. Um, the 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 ce- the scenery was. You know, Metro- Metropolis was. You know, essentially New York. Um, I think. Right? Was it filmed yep. in New York? Yeah. It's. Um, so it had a grittiness to it, but it wasn't dark and brooding. It was just like Superman in real life. You know, Superman is, um, you know, uh, it, it, he could be real, you know. What I liked about this director's version, um, it, you know, it keeps in real time. You know, he crashes. He takes his father dies when he's 18. He leaves. He's gone for 12 years. And it explains where he is and why and what happens at the Fortress of Solitude and how he learns from Jarrell. And, you know, it broke my heart because he leaves his mom. You know, he says, look, I'm, I got to go figure this shit out. And the mother's like, you know, OK, well, just don't forget me. Twelve years later, he resurfaces. But there's these great moments where Jarrell is talking to him and explaining this is why we sent you here. This is where, and it was not just, it was the origin story, but it's like, this is where your powers come from. And this is why, and this is, you know, our ret's on. I'm not going down the geek hole, but it was, it was a really good, um, also a father, something when he first flies out and in the regular version, you don't have the follow up. His father explaining, Hey, it's okay to feel good about yourself and be prideful, but Keep your shit in check. By the way, this is why you have to keep your secret identity. You know, protect the ones you love. No one will be able to hurt you. They can only hurt you by hurting the ones you love. Um, and you know, and it explains it. And it's 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 really really. You know, you, you brought all these writers on who did some great stuff. It's you know, it was it's really well written. And let's not gloss over the importance or the relevance of Lois Lane as a character in this movie. Um, she wasn't just some throwaway, you know, female counterpart or whatever, a love interest to the main male character. She was like, she was a ball buster. She was abroad in all, you know, for in all positive senses of the term. She was har- a hard nosed reporter who wasn't taking shit from anybody. Um, she was attractive physically, but she was also like not just sort of this passive person. Like she was you know, going to get after the story and she wasn't, you know, um, she wasn't just sort of this damsel in distress uh, until she was. But <laughs> um, that was that comes later. You know, it, it it's one of my favorite lines in movies. The, you got me. Who's got you? Right. <laughs> uh, I use that a lot. I do love that. But what uh, about the flying scene from that movie? Like where Lois Lane goes on her first date with Superman. Okay. 
if there's one thing I don't love is like, can you read my mind? That that whole thing. Yeah. It's like it's eh, I'm not gonna fast forward through it, but it's not. But the whole like the, the it doesn't give you any sort of like oh that's nice kind of oh it, yeah when you when you see her like flying with Superman, although I don't know she can fly. <laughs> there comes the physics part of it. Although Superman can be. Uh, horizontal with the horizon, like he, if he can fly horizontally, that doesn't mean that she can fly horizontally, right? Or is it because she's going so fast well, that he's dragging her along? You know, I agree because that is not what hyperspace looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm ruining a nice magic moment. No, it's great. No, because but the flowing blue dress, looks but, very but you nice. do know, I mean, it, you know, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson will tell you. If you do rotate the Earth backwards, time itself does <laughs> rewind. Wouldn't you know? I mean, if Superman had that sort of ability, I mean, I guess that took a lot out of him to, to rewind. Because now we're kind of we're bouncing all over the place. But that whole rewinding the Earth's axis to rewind time, uh, bit of a leap, I guess. You know, I didn't know that Earth. I didn't know that's how time space worked. But um, you would think like he would like. I guess he didn't want to go too far back in time. It would take too long for him to go far, so far back that he would like, you know, save his father from dying somehow, or or go back and just stop Lex from getting the codes. Yeah. Um, here's another great thing about the not movie. give Biff the almanac. Oh, this is the pin thing. One of one, one <laughs> as he's wearing his Back to the Future shirt. One of. No, you know you screwed me up. <laughs> we were talking about time travel um, and re- rotating the axis the wrong way. Yeah, one of the one of the great things about this movie is what the Marvel movies get, you know, lauded for the levity in them. Mm-hmm. And Lex Luthor, you know, a, a complete mass murderer. I mean, he kills a bunch of people in this movie in some brutal ways. Uh, well, you only see one real killing in a brutal way where the police detective is following, you know, his henchman Otis to the secret lair and he throws a guy in front of a train. Uh, he literally throws a cop in front of the train. But he has no problem knowing that, yeah, he's going to kill tens of millions of people by destroying the Andreas Fault and wiping the West Coast into the ocean. And what was he making out of that whole thing? You know, just uh, it was a land grab because he had bought all the desert land. Uh, what was he going to call the land? Uh, well, uh, the new was it the new West Coast? But yeah, are, are you leading to my favorite story about our our friend Biff, not <laughs> from Back to the Future? Okay, I'll, I'll sidebar for a second. It's one of the reasons I love our friend Biff. You know who's on the podcast with us because the plot of the movie. Spoiler alert: If if Lex Luthor steals this. 500 megaton nuclear bomb and hits just the right part of the Andreas Fault. And where did he get that bomb, by the way? What country? From the United States. Oh, was it a U.S.? Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, that had a U.S. flag on. Okay, never mind. Right, right. I'm just oh, oh, right. No, we're we're going to get to the scene because I want to talk about the levity. Um, the whole idea is if he hits it, the whole West Coast will separate from the other part of the San Andreas Fault, then making this worthless desert... Uh, you know, front, you know, uh, front property. property. And so he's been buying up all this land in the desert for a decade, you know, with this plan in mind. So he's a, he's a mass murderer, but the whole scene of getting the bomb with Ned Beatty and they got a, there's a military convoy taking the missile to a launch site. Uh, cause you can't just launch a missile from the back. <laughs> Anyways, uh-huh. but the whole comedy of, um, what was the first one? They stage, they stage a car crash so the whole military will come to a stop. And there's this beautiful blonde woman, Miss Tassmacher, Miss Tassmacher, in the street. And they got to give her mouth to mouth. It's, it, it is Ned Beatty sneaks on the back of and changes the code to the coordinates so that when they launch it, it will go where they want it to. Mm-hmm. Flash forward. So, like I said, one of my favorite lines is, you have me who has you. So, Ned Beatty's character changes the code. He meets back up with Luthor. And as they're driving away, he goes, you know, Otis, it's not that I don't trust you. It's, well, I don't trust you. (laughs) That's like uh, catching burps. That's something that I say to my boys 
almost daily. <laughs> Squishy, go brush your teeth. You know, it's like, let me smell your breath. It's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust you. And everything, and it's funny because, you know, he saw that today and he's like, that's where he got a papa. And I didn't say, yes, your father has had no original ideas in his life. Everything I do is quoted from all movies, TV shows, or music. Deal with it. <laughs> How do you like school, Billy? Close. <laughs> so he, um, so then, you know, it turns out that Ned Beatty, his arm wasn't long enough. So there's supposed to be four coats. It's like 22. 17, 107. No, 100, and, yeah, 117. And, and uh, Luther's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Wait, what was that? Lost two numbers? 117. It was 11 and then a 7. <laughs> and there's four digits. Well, sorry, Mr. Luther, my arm's not long enough. Anyways, a uh-huh. few years back, I'm driving with our good friend Biff from Los Angeles to Phoenix for a hockey tournament. About three, four hours into the drive, we are in the middle of the desert. We could be on the California side, could be on the, you know, the the Arizona side, but it's on the stretch of land where you don't see anything but a few cacti here and there for a good 75 miles. And so when our friend John calls and says, where are you guys without blinking? Biff says, Otisburg. (laughs) And that's... That's when I fell in love. <laughs> like that's when I knew Biff. You know, if if I was gonna leave my wife for my a wife for a five four Japanese goalie male, then you know that's right. It, it's 2018. Be woke. Okay. <laughs> you know. Um. Anyways, yeah. And and. and so Otisburg was the fake name that was written so, on. So so yeah, so Lex Luthor and the big his big. You know, impressive room is, of course, bad guys have to tell their entire story plan. And they have to lay it out on an enormous glass drawing so on ha- the floor. They have a map of the U.S. A lit floor, by the way. A lit floor. And they have a map. And then, you know, Otis puts the new map of what the new United States will look it's like. It's like a clear overlay of the old one. And it's all Lutherville. Luxylvania. And he's going down the coast. And he's like, Otis Burke. Otisburg? Otisburg? <laughs> well, well, Miss Tussmarker has a Otisburg. It's just it's just a little place. I, I, I'll erase it, Mr. Luthor. And <laughs> right. It's like written in crayon. It is. It's like he took a Sharpie. It's like you have this whole impressive land and he scribbles Otisburg on there. Oh, and that's the kind of stuff. So, like... When you think DC movies, Levity is not at the top of the forefront. But now, you, Snyder, you think Guardians, you you, you think X Men, you think even Infinity War. There's these moments of laugh out loud comedy. Period. The end. It's like, and that was so wonderful about this movie. You know, it 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 had a little campy, had a little cheese, had tears, had laugh out loud comedy and most of it came from gene hackman now what's the through line throughout this entire movie what's the glue and i think in my opinion maybe yours that holds this movie together and and actually is probably what makes you feel like a kid again when you see this movie each and every time what is it that holds this movie together from start to finish from start to finish okay i'm gonna say and it's something that you know was said and it it made the boys here stand up because it was something they might not have known about Superman's character, his he his genuineness and his honesty, and like he can't lie. Like he tells Lois Lane in the interview, "I never lie." Period. At the end. And even when Miss Tessmarker, Miss Tessmarker, I'll save you, but you have to save my mom because she finds out. Okay. The one bomb is going to take out the Andreas fault, but in case anything ever happened and Superman went to save that bomb, he'd have to choose, you know, Hackensack, New Jersey is going to go down and that's more populous. It's here, you know, it's where you live and that's where her mother lived. And she said, if I save you, will you save my mom first? And he's like, but Lois and Jimmy Olsen, and then he goes, I won't save you unless you do it. She knows if he says this is what his word is. His word is everything. Above all else, he has all these incredible powers, but his genuineness, his 
his Boy Scout nest his right and his integrity. That's that's the biggest thing about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's something that Jarrell tells. And the thing is, he's raised by Jonathan Kent, a, a, a Midwestern farmer, salt of the earth, salt of the earth, and shirt off the you know his back kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, his father, you know, from another galaxy, thousands of years away, you know. Went they, down with the ship. They don't have a lot in common, but their moral compass was set, and it's pointing in the same direction. And 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 their they raised their son. You know, Jarrell raised him. Jarrell raised him from eighteen to thirty because he's with him for twelve years, um, but led by example. You know what I mean? And and instilled these things. And when he has these father son talks, it's like you're. It's fine to be vain, but you got to keep in check. This is what. But the genuineness and the goodness and the honesty. Mm-hmm. That that's the through line that I see. Right. Um, Did you see something different? Well, I was actually kind of leaning, uh, trying to lead you down the, the path of more of a technical. Oh, uh, okay. Um, more of a more of a theatrical or cinematic through line. Um, for me. The thing that brings me back, or the thing that brings me um, the most feeling throughout the entire movie, um, which is probably the case with a lot of these big movies, but for this movie in particular, what sticks with you the most, when at, at, immediately after you watch the movie, and then days and years and you know millennia after seeing the movie, the music, the score, right, okay, yeah. the theme, the iconic Superman theme by John Williams. Um, I know, I know. I didn't go to Wikipedia. Did John Williams do the entire score, or did he do just the theme? I'm gonna say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, and we talked about it on last week's podcast, that music gets me. I mean, I'm talking shivers down my spine every single time I hear it, and whether it's a five, six second clip. When the little guy is playing the old, you know, DC heroes on PS3, every time that the Superman character takes off, he's, you hear the, dun, 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 but, the build to that crescendo just... I, I will never tire of it. Um, the, it. It is. It's goosebumps for me. And one day we are going to do a sideshow just talking about is is John Williams the most successful person in feature film maybe ever. Right. And he did do the entire soundtrack score. So, yes. And, and it does. It's, it, it just makes it. With the London Symphony Orchestra, which he you know used quite uh, prolifically in that era of time. Um, Filmmaking, so, but yeah, the John Williams score is um, is is what sticks with me the most. I mean, that's just what you know. You sing that in the shower. You you, you anytime you're just you know thinking, um, you want to be inspired. Just think of the Superman theme. Um, I don't know why you want to be inspired in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to each your again, 2018. Exactly. <laughs> least least we not judge. Uh, and I will. I, you know. I'll probably watch it again this weekend. You know, this weekend I'm I'm gonna get Scrooged in. Oh yes, um, I think I might be watching this right after you guys leave here. Like I might just go right upstairs and watch Superman. Uh, do you have Superman two? I... <laughs> do you have Superman three? Because that's all there was. Just oh. part one, two, and three. That's all there is. Yep. We yep. Don't... Number three is with Richard Pryor. Mar- I don't know. Fun fact about Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando. <laughs> no, 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 no. Both fantastic actors. They are great. <laughs> Were they? Um... <laughs> oh, Richard Donner. Let's get back to him. Just yes. Before. Um, he ever do anything else you like? He did uh, a little movie called The Goonies, which th- also had a little Superman nod in it. It if did. If you remember Sloth, yep. you know, rips open yep. his shirt at the end. And they play a little bit of the theme, um, Lost Boys, which I had never seen. Oh, it's it is. I'm, uh, a, I'm a jerk. It is. It, yeah, you. So our little guy just walked in the room, and his mouth was. Do you see it gaping? I don't know the first time, because that's mom's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. That's management's, if not favorite movie, it's top five. Right. Um, and 
I could watch that. It, you know, again, you know, why do you need the TV if you got a TV guy? <laughs> you know, famous line in it. Uh, but See, this is that. this is funny because you had never seen Goonies until like right, last year, that's right? And I had never seen Lost Boys, and you couldn't figure out how how it's possible a film guy got through or a Richard Donner guy and had not seen you know uh, Goonies. But what, like, what, what what else did Richard Donner do that we might have liked? Scrooged, yeah, yes. So, oh my God, it's uh, we 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 go on and on about Scrooge, uh, but Lethal Weapon, Lethal movies? Weapons, yeah. uh, th- he three. I don't know if he did part nine, but I know <laughs> he did the first three. X Men, yeah, wow, and then X Men Wolverine. Oh right, yeah. See, I, I kind of those never... aren't his only movies, but I mean, man, those are the those are the hits. I know, but yeah, I you because know, you don't think it's like, wait a minute, Scrooged and Superman, right? Well, you know, he's got to eat, um, <laughs> and, and and only. Like a few years apart. Anyway, so it, it is. I, I it's it's hap, happy fortieth. Uh, another fun thing. Mm. Uh, Superman's eighty now. Nineteen thirty-eight is when it was cre- when he was created. So the movie came out pretty close. Like the first uh, the copyright and yeah, I did not know this. Looked it up, but the publishing copyright is April nineteen. 19- 38, but the first magazine was published, in, Action Comic Number 1 was published in June of that year. It actually came out in June that year. So it was a little over 40 years, like 40, you know. It was the 40th anniversary. 40th anniversary right. when it came out, which it's just, it's it's so funny to think, you know. Uh, anyways, how yeah. the numbers have come together. But yeah, it's uh, 80. I know, you like, I know you like to only really talk about the main, um, or the only Superman movies, the first uh, three the Superman one, two, and three. Um, I heard rumor of a Superman's returns. Any thoughts on that? Uh, the movie uh, was that the Brendan Brandon Ralph Ralph thing that which uh, which was supposed to be it was basically a direct follow up to Superman two. It was supposed to be done in the vein of the Donner movies. So, watch watch your feet, Joe. Watch your feet. Uh, my friend Bill Fay, ow, produced Superman Returns. I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, yeah, it takes place. So at the end of Superman two, spoiler alert, he goes to find Krypton. There, there, there's a rumor that there's part of Krypton still exists, or the city of Kandor. Uh, we won't go down that rabbit hole, but it's a five year journey into space. So his return, and he just leaves. You know, it's one of those things. He just leaves. Turns out that Luther's out of jail because. You know, fun fact, if you arrest somebody and you're out there to testify, you know, it's like not reading them their uh, Linwell Miranda <laughs> rights. Is it, is it that? Does, did, did the like guy that. who wrote Hamilton I think write? he has okay. something to do with the Bill of Rights. Yeah. You like that? You yeah. see what I did yeah. there? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so he um, so he comes back to Earth. Uh, Lois has a five-year-old son. And yes, and it's like, it, look... And, and the the long story short is that movie cost two hundred million to make. The industry thought it was going to make five hundred million. Batman Begins cost a hundred and fifty. It's supposed to make three hundred million. Superman comes in making. Well, Superman was supposed to make four hundred million. Batman was supposed to make three hundred million. Batman was one fifty. Superman was two hundred. Bill faded both of them, and Superman came in. At three fifty, uh, at no, I'm sorry. Superman was supposed to make four fifty. Came in at four. Batman was supposed to come in at three. Came in at three fifty. So Batman made fifty more than the industry thought. Superman, while making, you know, a lot more, didn't hit industry projections. So it was considered a bomb, a bomb, or a like, fl- or failure. Yeah, or, yeah like, it, it fell short of. Predict- it's like so it made it doubled its money, but it didn't quadruple its money. So they scrapped it. I think. But like critically, it wasn't. It was. It was mixed reviews. Mixed reviews. But I mean, other than the last wave of Marvel movies, what hasn't had a mixed review? Um, right. But I. It, it would, what, yeah, I guess we probably don't want to linger too much. But was it Brandon Routh's, um Was it his performance was kind of no, milk toast? I, I, I think people people thought Superman doesn't have a son. You know, can you imagine mm. in 1978 if they went with Muhammad Ali? You know, it's like, <laughs> like Superman's not black. You know right, what I right, mean? Right, right. It's like Jesus is white. He's, you know, um, so so that would have been, you know, an interesting thing. I think, uh, and I'm, oh God, I see him. 
Who's the actor? Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Thank you. Uh, I thought he was a great. Lo- I mean, it's Kevin Spacey, right? You know. Oh, did he play it over the? He played it maybe too over the top. All the all that. the stuff aside about him, he's a pretty good actor. Usually, I mean, it, again, it's like it, it, I, I I liked it. You know, I mean, maybe it, it's funny because we talked. I you know at the big, at the top we were talking about how Superman before Superman the, the movie came out, Superman was treated as sort of a cornball kind of thing. And now Superman Returns comes out as sort of a, an homage and a link to a movie that had come out, you know, 30 years prior. And that is looked at as sort of corny. Like, there's a lot of chewing the scenery in that movie. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of hammy kind yeah. of takes in that movie. Maybe, maybe it was looked along and it was a little too cheesy. And this is like right around the time when Iron Man was coming. I think, what did Iron Man come out? After. Iron I, Man came out after Superman well, no, Returns. I thought to, I thought Superman Returns. Batman came out before okay. Iron Man. Okay, so it was Batman was oh, oh, 06. So Bat, Batman was, it was oh, 05. 05 and or Iron Man 04. was oh, 08 because yeah. it was the 10th anniversary yeah, yeah, we, 10 it, year thing. But so it. Superman Returns was Superman oh, 07. Was before. Yeah, Superman uh, was before it. Okay. Uh it, and like I said, it did well. It, it it was supposed to make, you know, 450 it made 4. So it I guess it's because it didn't reinvent Superman. It was sort of like a well, and the, well, no, the reinventing might have hurt it because, like mm. I said, people really upset he had a kid, and it was left, it was left a little ambiguous. It was left, yeah, this probably is Superman's son, but they never said, you and know, was, and maybe the whole plot was a mess to begin with, right? The whole kind of story of the the movie was a little, eh. Yeah, I mean, it was like, so Luther's out of jail on a technicality where he obviously killed these people, stole two nuclear weapons, and launched it. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you, you go down the list. Um, but again, I mean, I, I it's a DC movie. It's a Superman movie. It would really, really have to be awful for me not to. Right. Like Christopher Reeve would have had to direct a Superman movie for it to be awful in your eyes. Pretty much. Yeah, like that... <laughs> Would have to be the case, you know. Um, it would have to have some sort of like cornball message about you know doing away with nuclear arms. Stop, you know. Stop. Like a really stupid. I know. Kinda. I, you, you, this, this, this is where. Good night, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it, you know, and, and and even now, like Henry Cavill, it, I think it's good. You know, um, new, yeah, this Man of Steel. Snyder, you know, but he's gone. He's gone now, you know. So they're gonna have to replace, you know, that. It's like, mm. um, do they have to really? He, well, they're going to if they want. Yeah. You know, uh, can you have a DC universe in which he doesn't exist? Even on, even on the D, and even on the CW, you know, they had to at one point. You had to bring him in, mm-hmm. and again, Brendan Roth, not a huge guy. You know, he's not. Christopher Reeves was six four, two hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. Anyways, it was fine, but just focusing on this, it's great. It's 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 it holds up, you know. It, well, it's a Superman story, you know. It's yeah. it's in a you know it's it still does. It's fun to see. Uh, like I said, I watched it today. I will probably watch it before the next podcast again because I got that kind of time. Do I have that kind of time? No. Well, you make that kind of time. You do indeed. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um. Well, happy anniversary, happy birthday, happy whatever you want to call it um, to Superman the movie, to Superman in general. You know, um, you, if you're a little christmas out or a little little hanukkah out and you want to take a little break from uh, from the, nine, the new iteration of the Grinch, because remember all the protests they had like last year in Washington crying out for a new Grinch movie? Yes. Um, and, and the Charlie Brown Christmas movie, which, you know... Uh, the music is better. The story's better. A little less blatant racism than Thanksgiving special. But if you want a little diversion, you know, why, don't, why don't you take uh, two and a half hours and watch the director's cut of Donner's Superman the movie? Right. Has there ever been like a super cut of the two movies put together, Superman one and two? Like, because uh, it's all one long saga. I, and probably not. I watch them back to back, and you just cut out the credit sequence <laughs> yeah, at the I guess end. So yeah, you, you make from... your own, right? Um, yeah. So all right. Well, that was it. Um, um, that's uh, that's the podcast. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Um, happy Hanukkah! Happy Life Day! Uh, <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I wish uh, everybody a happy Kwanzaa, but, you know, Kwanzaa makes me crazy. <laughs> you quacker, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's enough of that. All right, don't forget to...